This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. On our program today, we welcome back Public Service Commissioner Tim Eccles, who is here to talk with us about his Clean Energy Roadshow. They've got a number of new things that are going on with this show this year. He brings with us our other returning champion, as I said earlier, Don Francis. He's the executive director of Clean Cities Georgia. And Joy Kramer, who is the executive director and producer of the Clean Energy Roadshow. You've been doing this now eight years, Joy. We're happy to have everybody in the studio. Commissioner, welcome and, and thanks for joining us. It's exciting to be able to bring this to our our state and help folks make a good decision about alternative fuel and uh, energy upgrades from their home. So I'm going to ask you a question because we are had an election last week. Your name was not on the ballot, but there were open seats and voters made some decisions about people who might be joining you on Georgia's Public Service Commission. For those who may not understand completely the work that you do, tell us about that. You know, used to regulate railroads back in the day because if you think about the right of way and monopolies that own things in the right-of-way, they need to be held in check. Uh, We need to make sure they don't bully uh, consumers or the users of those services. So whether it's a train or a telegraph line back then or a telephone line uh, or a natural gas pipe or an electric wire, all of those uh, have been regulated at some point by the Public Service Commission, and we continue to do that today. So what is it that the PSC does not regulate? What is not in your purview of things to be a consumer advocate for? Yeah, and so it is more than being a consumer advocate because we do want these companies to be successful. We want them not to be hand-to-mouth, so to speak. We want our utilities to be looked upon uh, well on Wall Street. We want them to get the lowest interest rate possible. We want them to have the, the newest and nicest trucks that don't break down. We want short Uh, short wait times when consumers call in. But we don't regulate an EMC, an electric membership corporation that maybe folks out in uh, at Cobb EMC or Jackson EMC, we we don't control that. Those are nonprofit corporations and we don't control deregulated companies like AGL. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, AT&T that owns uh, our our phone lines and and internet. Uh, We do regulate AGL, the Atlanta Gaslight system, uh, which is the pipelines under the ground. Um, so it, uh, it's mostly utilities, and so we do have something to do with probably every utility in the state, but direct regulation over Georgia Power and AGL. And it's a full-time job. It is a full-time job. But you were elected statewide to this full-time yeah, job. Yeah, we're elected statewide. We have to live in a district. Uh, it's down the ballot, so people, uh, people don't know that much about it usually. Uh, I've spent the last eight years trying to help people understand what we do. And frankly, I've just concluded that people have a limited capacity for political information and they just uh, they're just not going to learn uh, everything I want them to learn. And so I just need to keep doing what I'm doing, reaching out to young people, schools, civic clubs and helping them understand what we do and soliciting input from them. Which brings us to your Clean Energy Roadshow. What have we got going on this year? Every summer, I take a group of uh, organizations and companies and nonprofit leaders to various places in the state and to try to help uh, the business community, the civic community, uh, municipal leaders, county leaders understand the value of alternative fuel, of alternative energy. If you think about all the solar we have in the state, it's really been growing over the last six years. 
Think about the electric cars that you see around uh, the city or natural gas UPS trucks that you see. We want to see more of that uh, because it really does help our air quality. I just returned from China where a lot of people wear masks to you know, to uh, cover their nose and their mouth because of all the smog. Because in China, you have a lot of coal plants that don't have scrubbers like we have. And you can just see the particulate matter coming right out of the stacks. And people people wear these to, you know, protect their lungs and their respiratory systems. And we want to continue to improve Atlanta's air quality as we, you know, as we grow as a city. So what were you studying while you were overseas? So I was speaking at a conference about nuclear power uh, and and touring the reactors that they've completed, our reactors are uh, are behind uh, and delayed. Uh, China's just finished four of the the same exact reactors that we're building here uh, in Georgia, and I wanted to see it for myself. I wanted to be able to come back and tell my fellow commissioners, "Look, I've seen it. They're fuel loading. Uh, they're in hot hot testing on on theirs. We can do this. Let's uh, let's keep going because." From an energy diversity standpoint and a clean energy standpoint, we need those, those reactors to be completed. And so you dream up what you want to do for the Clean Energy Roadshow, and you have all the ideas, and then you turn to Joy and say, let's make this happen. Is that correct, Joy? Yes. I essentially do all the moving parts of the Clean Energy Roadshow. I bring together the um, the main sponsors, which this year includes Georgia Power and Bluebird and Nissan and the Natural Gas Alliance of Georgia and also AGL. And uh, we're excited uh, to kick this off this year down in Columbus, Georgia. This is our third time visiting Columbus. We are being hosted by Liberty Utilities and that is on June 6th, June 6th for Savannah's Columbus, June 8th. June 8th for Savannah. And then we are in Gwinnett County um, at the Chamber of Commerce there. We're partnering up with Gwinnett Clean and Beautiful on July 17th. And then we moved to Atlanta, where we're going to be hosted by Denton's law firm on July 24th, which is really going to be interesting because this is our first time having an actual vehicle display on the streets of downtown Atlanta. And Commissioner, this is a, a new partnership for you this year, correct? Yeah, Denton's is leading the way in autonomous vehicles and uh, through their uh, leadership there with Eric Tannenblatt. And so we wanted to make sure we included autonomous vehicles as a part of this because Atlanta will eventually have autonomous vehicles and they will be electric and it's something we definitely want to get people ready for. And when you say autonomous vehicles, that means exactly what? You're talking about self-driving vehicles. So there are vehicles that have various levels of autonomous control now, right? The RAV4 hybrid that my wife drives has a certain level of autonomy. She can push the the cruise control on, and it senses how close it is to a vehicle in, in front of it, and it will slow itself down. So that is a certain level of autonomous, autonomous driving. But, of course, where we're going is complete autonomous vehicles that are driverless. Uh, and so I think it's going to be something that we, that, that we get into incrementally and that you see testing maybe in an area like North Avenue, for example, which is considered the smart smart city corridor for Atlanta from Coke World headquarters down to the Beltline. You know, I think you'll see probably autonomous vehicles there first, uh, and then they'll spread out to other areas of the city. And Don Francis, how are you plugging into all of this this year? Well, you know, the Clean Cities program is an initiative of the Department of Energy to reduce the nation's dependency on imported petroleum, which is alternative fuels. 
we've been doing this with the commissioner now for the last eight years. Uh, it allows us to help uh, with our education and outreach. Uh, I get up there and talk about the why. Why are we here? Why is it important that for the nation to focus on this? And uh, we're beginning to turn the corner. Uh, last year in Georgia, we displaced about 25 million gallons of gasoline or diesel using something else, propane, natural gas, electricity, uh, up over a billion gallons nationwide. So on the an message is basis. beginning to resonate. Exactly. I was looking at a report this morning that showed that the electric vehicles were displacing somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 200,000 gallons of gasoline a day in the United States. So it's beginning to have an impact. Has it been harder to encourage people to try out an alternative fuel vehicle since some of the tax credits for them have gone away in the last couple of years? Well, certainly the sales and leases of Nissan Leafs dropped 95%. That's an impact. uh, After the credit went away, one of the things that I'd love to see is is to see the Republicans bring back the tax credit. And, you know, I think everyone in the alt-fuel community believes that it's going to have to be a Republican initiative when you have a Republican-controlled legislature. So it's it's a matter of trying to convince them that this is good for all of Georgia, that it's good for our economy, and we just haven't been able to, you know, to get the supporters, you know, that we need. But clearly things like that, having Uber uh, finance Uber driver vehicles that are electric. Uh, that's something I've asked Uber to do is to consider uh, doing that uh, as they do in Portland. They're financing 100 EV Uber drivers through the platform in, in getting electric vehicles because it's really in getting people into the cars and riding them in the car or driving the car that convinces them that it will work for them. And so I can't think of any better way than to have 100 Uber vehicles running around in Atlanta that are electric, uh, giving six, eight, 10, 20 rides a day and people going, wow, I like this car. This is nice. It's got a lot of power. It's got a lot of room. I could see myself having this. So I think working with rideshare companies and taxis like Atlanta Checker Cab, they've got two, two Nissan Leafs, that kind of thing helps people see that it would work for them. And we do see many of the natural gas buses that are on the streets of Atlanta that MARTA operates. MARTA's really leading the way with natural gas, UPS, a lot of natural gas and propane packaged cars. Uh, so I, I really do see the, the natural gas working well on a commercial basis and the electric working really well for commuters. What is the disconnect with lawmakers as you make the point that it really needs to be a Republican initiative in a Republican-led legislature? What are advocates not saying to get the right folks on board? You know, I think the, the, the case study that we have on this is the solar industry. When I took office, we had very, very little solar in Georgia. And by uh, allowing solar to go into middle Georgia and south Georgia and having it very widespread and beneficial to a lot of counties, we've won over the Republicans. We have, we have a lot of support for solar. But, you know, the electric cars... They've, re- they've been mostly in five counties. They've been in, in DeKalb and Fulton and Forsyth, Cobb, and Cherokee, and you know, some in Clark County. But it, it hasn't benefited the rest of the other 154 counties in the state. And as a result of that, I think South Georgia lawmakers go, why, why would I want to give a tax credit 
and help something that's just in Atlanta. We, we have to show how this helps everyone, and that's why this bill that I'm working on uh, with, uh, with some, uh, some stakeholders is going to include a tax credit for natural gas as well as electric. I, I think it has to be broad in order to get the broad support that we need to see the Republicans pass something like this. So, Joy Kramer, you've been working on the Clean Energy Roadshow for the last eight years. Talk to us about the differences you've seen in the handful of interested partisans who probably came out in year one to what you're expecting to see here in year eight. Well, I think Commissioner Eccles could probably speak better to how this got started. It was really like eight guys in a room back in 2011. And over the course of time, we've we've done this in four to eight cities Per, per year. And there's been a dramatic shift in just the acceptance of all these different types of vehicles. We're seeing electric vehicles that used to just be limited pretty much to the Nissan Leaf and the Chevy Volt now exploding with every major vehicle manufacturer is producing electric vehicles now. And SUVs are starting to come out in electric vehicles. That was where I wanted to go because I drive an SUV. I like the fact that I sit up high and can see. And I would be very interested in a different type of vehicle, but I want to be able to sit up high. Exactly. Uh, the manufacturers are all moving towards vehicles with plugs. Uh, I was at a, an event Saturday, and there was a uh, BMW X5 plug-in hybrid, mm. uh, which gives you the flexibility to drive back and forth every day on electric, but when you need to go somewhere, it be, turns into a hybrid after you've uh, depleted the battery pack. Uh, so every vehicle manufacturer is building something. If you look at the, the list of vehicles, you'll have folks like Volvo saying, we're no longer going to build any vehicles that don't have a plug. Uh, and that was a major change for them. Uh, GM, Ford, Chrysler, even our friends at Toyota, who've been a little slow to the market, are now talking about building vehicles that have plugs on them. So it's everybody now. That's good to I know. I was just going to add, Mitsubishi just came out with the Highlander, which is a plug-in SUV, which is really nice. And you can get that here in Atlanta. Commissioner, the, when we first started having these conversations, I remember asking you lots of questions about batteries and battery life. And you're saying that the real savings is not just an environmental thing, but these electric vehicles are practically zero maintenance and there's a way that nonprofits can be involved and help families women perhaps who might otherwise not have access to a dependable vehicle yeah i think so because these cars these electric cars they don't have oil they don't have a transmission so there's no transmission fluid they don't have a radiator it's not going to overheat there's no water in the car there's just this electric motor uh and so i've had three of these cars uh since 2013, and really, I only rotate the tires and put windshield wiper fluid in it. So what I've challenged some of our nonprofits with is how can we take used Nissan Leafs that are worth about $10,000 and get these into the hands of single moms who otherwise may have to go to a buy-here-pay-here car lot and buy something that's not practical, that's not dependable, and let's let's try this with 10 or 20 single moms and see what the data show us uh, as a result of doing an experiment like this, because it might be a way that we can all work together to really help 
uh, folks that are in a difficult position to be able to have more disposable income. Don, are there any additional federal mandates that require or strongly encourage the automakers to get on board with manufacturing more alternative fuel vehicles? There's no federal issues at the moment. There is still a federal income tax credit for new electric vehicles at $7,500 per vehicle. The most of the mandates are occurring at the state level. California in particular, because of their unique air quality issues, have requirements that vehicles like this be manufactured and sold in California. And some of the other states in the U.S., particularly in the Northeast, have adopted what are called the CARB California Resources Board, ZEV, Z-E-V, Zero Emission Vehicle Mandate. Georgia has not because we really didn't have the same air quality issues that California did. Um, but the, the federal tax credits are still there, but there are no mandates. It's, it's more of a uh, market pull rather than a market push situation, encouraging people to do it not mandating that they do it. So how can people attend one of the events? The easiest way, the event is free, first of all. We always have food there and kicks off with a... Have food, invite people. Yes, absolutely. It kicks off with a vehicle showcase outside, and then we move inside after about a half an hour of networking. You can go to cleanenergyroadshow.com and sign up there for any of the events that fits your schedule or your uh, particular geography. We got some rapid fire questions here for you, Commissioner. We're making progress in the use of uh, renewable energy in the state, yes or no? Oh yeah, we're we're growing substantially. When I took office, we had uh, four megawatts of solar. Now we've got over two thousand, and we'll be approving uh, a lot next year. We do triennial planning here in Georgia, and I anticipate us maybe approving another two thousand megawatts of solar next year. Talk about the success that we've had here in Georgia introducing solar energy into the grid without customers having to pay higher rates. You know, that was a, a challenge when we first took office because the panels were so expensive and there was a temptation to subsidize it, I'll be honest with you. It was a temptation, but we resisted that and the way that we've done solar uh, is really in very large swaths, uh, 50 acres, 100 acres. There's a, a there's a 1,000-acre array down in Reynolds, Georgia, and a 2,000-acre array that's about to be built in Twix County. So these are massive arrays. Uh, really, they're power plants, and they're, I mean, we've got full-time people sitting out there operating and maintaining them. That's the way we've done it. That's different than California, Hawaii, Arizona, um, but I, I think it's, it's the cheapest way. And if you look at all the solar we have in Georgia, it's actually putting downward pressure on rates. It's, it, when I say downward pressure, meaning that in, in a tiny incremental way, it is reducing the amount that people are paying. What progress, and we've touched on this a bit, has clean energy and clean fuels made here in the state since you began pushing this? Well, a good example of this, and we've talked about natural gas. When I took over at the coalition nine years ago, there was one refueling station in the state of Georgia. It's down on Whitehall Street. Today, there are 50 spread all over the state, and we have fleets in places like Columbus and Augusta and Valdosta and Dalton and here in Atlanta that have adopted natural gas because we've been able to get the stations built. We brought the people together, the station owners, the station builders with the fleet operators. Yeah, I, I often lose count of how many electric vehicle charging stations there are in the city. It's I see them everywhere. They're everywhere. There are at least a 1,000 locations. And I feel bad when I can't park at one because they're always the closest, Yeah, especially at the airport. Well, and that, that's another example of 
public-private partnerships coming together. We had been talking with the uh, Reed administration for years about why it was needed. But eventually it kind of dawned on them that people like me no longer came to the airport because I left my car at a off-airport parking lot that had charging. There are now more than 200 at the airport. There will be 300 by the time we get done. And that is really just a start. You're going to see a lot more of that because it's a one of those key critical locations. Uh, so that's a good example of what has happened over the last 10 years where there was a handful of places and now there's lots of places yeah, to charge Yeah, we see them everywhere. And, and don't forget that at the end of uh, Kasim Reed's term, the city council passed an ordinance saying that parking decks constructed in the future in Atlanta must be wired for electric vehicle spaces uh, up to 20% of the spark parking spaces. That was really uh, uh, earth-shattering that Atlanta did that. Uh, so as you think about new parking decks being built for companies like NCR and uh, and others in, in the future, these are going to be wired, pre-wired for EV charging, which is going to make it much cheaper to be able to put those chargers in once that company decides to do that. And I know in the summer times, or I guess actually year-round, Georgia Power has a special program for customers who have electric vehicles where there are special rates for when the car is on plug and being charged. Yeah, uh, Condis, I'm on that rate. It's called a time-of-use plug-in electric vehicle rate. It equates to down to about one and a half cents a mile for fuel. That is 10% of what I was paying for gasoline. Uh, and the car just charges itself. You just program the car. It happens between 11 o'clock at night and, eight and 7 o'clock in the morning. And it, it's good for the utility because it's a time when the demand is low. It's good for me as a customer because I'm buying at the bargain rates. Uh, it, it's just it, it, there's so many win-win situations here with off-peak charging um, that it's often hard for me to explain why it's good for the consumer, why it's good for me, and why it's good for my neighbor because it's downward pressure on rates. Because you sell more widgets, the cost per widget goes down. So the cost of energy is held down because we're selling more at a very uh, inexpensive period of time for the utility to generate that energy. I just want a nice SUV. You would have thought. Oh, I was just going to say with regard to electric vehicle charging, it's not. there are a lot of chargers in Atlanta, but there are also... Georgia Power recently invested a huge amount of money and put chargers all over the state, Very in most places, very close to the interstates and highways. So you can go on an all-electric vehicle from Atlanta to Savannah. You have to stop and charge with a fast charger, but you can now make that trip. You know, I think if I had anything to say to, you know, a, a family out there is not that you need to do everything in an electric car. Just replace one of your cars with an electric car, even if you buy a used Nissan Leaf for $10,000, and just rotate that car with family members based on what commute they have to make. So my wife teaches school, and so she, she drives 11 miles to the school and back. That's where she spends most of her day. The electric car is perfect for that. I'm driving 54 miles to the Capitol, and then I may go to Macon and then drive to Savannah, and, it, and on that day, it doesn't really work for me. So you have the car in your family and you rotate it 
and you then you reduce your family's overall car expenses and fuel expenses by that amount. So there's, I think, clever ways that you can do this. It is the Clean Energy Roadshow. Four stops this summer, Columbus on June 6th, Savannah June 8th, two shows in July, July 17th in Gwinnett at the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce, and July 24th at Denton's Law Firm right here, downtown Atlanta, 303 Peachtree Street. Commissioner, you get the final word. Well, this is a great thing for our state, and it's going to help us attract companies like Amazon and others who really want to see a city that's demonstrating, uh, you know, environmental stewardship that's that's keeping up with technology. We've got these great Fortune 500 companies in our city. We need to keep this going, so folks can go to cleanenergyroadshow.com and sign up. And I'd love to meet you there and talk more with you about how these alternative fuel vehicles and how these clean energy initiatives can help you, your family, and your business. PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles, thank you very much. Don Francis, ED of Clean Cities, Georgia, and Joy Kramer, the Executive Director and Producer of the Clean Energy Roadshow. I want to say thank you all so much for coming by. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.